Well, that's it, folks. That's a wrap on the 2018-2019 Everton season and the Premier League campaign at large. Before we get started with our Spurs post-match episode, we just wanted to take a minute. We did this last episode at the end, but wanted to put it at the front this time to just give a huge thank you to everyone who has listened to us, whether it be once, whether it be regularly throughout the course of this season. Um, when I joined on, came onto the show around September, I we you know numbers were at a certain level. I didn't really know. We were hoping to see consistent growth and um, just really hope to ramp up the engagement and, and, and kind of build a community around the show. And I think it's gone tremendously well and exceeded most of my expectations. It's been unbelievable. A lot of fun interacting with everyone and doing the show. So um, I want to say thank you to you guys and, and thank you to Alex, honestly, for for letting me be on as his co-host. I, it's been a fun ride and there's a lot more to come uh, as we go forward. Yeah, man. I mean, I appreciate you as well. And and thanks to everyone, as he said, for listening. Thanks to all of our guests that have come on. And also thank you to everyone that's inquired about being a guest. If you're interested, you know where to find us, social media, email. Um, we, you know, we've taken a break the last couple, probably like the last month on guests just because we'd been really busy and we wanted to wrap up the season before. But we'll start getting guests on again and and give people a voice if they'd like it. So look out for that. But next up, let's go to the Spurs post-match. This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. All right, that's it, Alex. Everton finish out the season with a 2-2 draw, bookending the year. So started the year with a 2-2 draw and ended the year with a 2-2 draw. Firstly, obviously, against Wolves and ending it against Spurs. How do you feel about the result today? feel pretty good, honestly. I mean, I, I, my, my score prediction was a win. Yours was, as usual, more sensible at a draw. So props to you, regardless of the scoreline. But uh, I mean, going away to Spurs with a pretty depleted squad and drawing is always a good result. Uh, and, and furthermore, we ended up finishing eighth place above Leicester City, which is fantastic because as we mentioned last time, it was a difference of about two million pounds, I believe, in finishing eighth or ninth place. And furthermore, I really did not want to hear any fans or or opposing fans talk about how Everton finished lower than when we had Sam Allardyce. Yeah, that would have been miserable. And yeah, eighth place again, so repeat. Um, and, I, and I tweeted this earlier, but and it's been said a lot, but compared to the ending of last year, where I believe the last game of the season we lost to Arsenal, it could not be more different. The attitude around the team, the confidence in the players and the manager is it's a complete reversal it's hard not to feel very, very encouraged and positive about the direction the team's headed. And I, for one, am, and, and I'm sure every single blue is actually looking forward to a season where we have, or an off season rather, where we have an established hierarchy an established um, organization with above the squad that actually seems to be competent and capable of t- t- taking us to the next level. 
and how Marcel Brands and Marco Silva are able to do that, I think we'll start to see the master plan start to unfold in the coming weeks and months. We absolutely will. I know, you know, they they have both Silva and Brands have mentioned that the goal is always going to be make or or excuse me, complete our business early on in the transfer window. Furthermore, you know, we've seen speculation over Andre Gomez. Uh, for some reason today, we saw Kurt Zuma start it right back as opposed to John Joe Kenny, which I think threw everyone for a loop there, James. And so you, you never know what's going on with Zuma because David Luis with Chelsea has kind of, I think, announced that he is signing a contract extension, which was kind of surprising, I think, to everyone. So it'll be a really, really interesting summer. Yeah. Totally. And we'll have plenty to say over the next few months about summer transfer window. Um, We, of course, have our business cut out for us, or rather Marcel Brands has his work cut out for him. But let's go back to the game, because when the lineup came out, when the lineup graphic, you know, we traditionally have the player uh, headshots like lined up in formation. When we revert to just the list of names, you know that the guy doing the graphic is like, uh, yeah, I have no idea what's going on. And I read <laughs> through the list of names and I didn't have any idea what was going on because we, it's, you know, obviously it ended up being Kurt Zuma at right back, but with three center backs and John Joe Kenny, I was like, are we going to go with the back five? Is Bernard going to play like a wing back? Is Walcott going to play a wing back? What the heck's going on? Of course, without Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison, it, you know, that that depletes our frontline depth considerably. And so he had to make some adjustments. Theo Walcott returned to the side. Um, and of course, Andre Gomez did not. So Schneiderlin retained his place. Alex, what do you think of the lineup in sort of the early on game as far as the tactics played out? So when I saw that, I thought the exact same thing. Like, if this guy doesn't know what it's going to look like, I'm not even going to try. In my mind, it, my, the first thought was, all right, we're playing three at the back and Walcott's going to be like, a wing back and maybe Silva's just trying something different. Uh, and then, you know, a front three of Cenk Tosin, Bernard and Sigurdsson, but uh, didn't work out that way. I think we've started very slow. Uh, and by about two minutes and 45 seconds, that was capitalized upon uh, by fumbling around in the six yard box from, you know, attempting to defend a corner and we were already down one nil. And I, you know, that is the moment, James, in which even sometimes earlier on this season, a couple months ago, and then really the last couple years in which the heads go down and we just never recover. But luckily for us today, that was not the case. Yeah, it was very much like a, <laughs> this whole game was kind of just uh, you know emblematic of our, our season at large where we concede early off of a set piece. Yuri Mina returning to the side, I believe, made the error that ended up leading to the goal. Um. A poor goal to concede, considering, you know, we had had that long streak of clean sheets and had been really, really solid defensively. You switch up the back line a little bit and immediately we're giving up, we're shipping goals again. Um, so that's just a, I guess it just shows what a rock solid partnership and, and solid, consistent to, uh, lineup we had back there before. When you switch it up, it makes things a little bit more difficult. But yeah, credit to the team. They showed a lot of fight even after that first goal was scored it's the the Tottenham did not stop they kept coming they kept you know bringing pressure and I think at times the team invited that pressure a little too much didn't really weren't even really able to get a lot of you know connection a lot of fluidity with our play the midfield looked Idrissa Ganagay had probably one of his worst games in a while with Morgan Schneiderlin alongside him that that really just sort of lacked the 
offensive punch or even just the ability to move the ball forward. Um, and Tottenham were pretty relentless. They were playing with a depleted squad as well. So credit to them for what, what they were able to do. But in the end, it ended all level. And, you know, the first goal really well taken by Theo Walcott. Unfortunately, we then turned around and gave up a cheap foul at the edge of the box and Christian Eriksen did his thing. And at that point, you know, 2-1, it's like, yikes, we're, we're not really, we haven't done a fantastic job of, of coming from behind this year. But then Chank Tosin, if you had told me at the beginning of the game that we would draw and Tosin and Walcott would be the goal scorers, I probably, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have believed you. And that just, it's just a weird outlier end of the season. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about it. Well, you could see how much it meant to both of them, actually, really, to score a goal in the last game of the season. I'd say they both, you know, deserve it. To me, I don't really care who who scores. It could have been pretty cool to see Dean snag a fifth one of the season. But nonetheless, they both, you know, they both deserve it. And for me, the midfield having an issue with Spurs kind of came down to Lucas Mora on the right-hand side was pinching in so much and using his pace to try to kind of drive the ball forward, hence why Walker Peters saw so much of the ball uh, on their right side on the flank. And then with that, we saw Christian Eriksen with you know a, a whole lot of pace as well driving from deep. And I think with those two things combined with you know, Urente obviously occupying center backs and blah, blah, blah. You saw a lot of a lot of quick interplay at the top of the box where, you know, defensive midfielders will usually sit, kind of defend. And, and in my opinion, uh, sometimes my ignorant opinion, I, I think that may have been what caused Schneiderlin and Ghana so much or so many issues. Yeah, and Lucas Mora, yeah, he he's electric. His pace is is really, really top-notch. And obviously being fresh off of a hat trick in the Champions League midweek, certainly he's brimming with confidence at the moment. But at large, um, I, I did want to just go back and talk about Cenk Tosin a little bit because a player who's been, I'd say, overall a disappointment in a blue shirt. When we signed him last January, everyone was kind of hoping that he could come in and be, if not the striker we need, the striker maybe we deserve, if you know what I mean, where he can, and he just hasn't really shown the technical level that's expected from that position. What he does do is he works relentlessly. He's a really, really hard worker. He puts himself about, he throws his body in the mix, but it's just, He's just a step slow, it seems like, on on a lot of different balls. His reactions are slightly slow, and he hasn't played much, so maybe you can chalk that up to being a little rusty, and same goes for Yeri Mina. But as far as you know, the future looking ahead, it's hard to see a future where Cenk Tosin features regularly if we're a little, you know, for the level we're trying to get to as a squad, as a club. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super disappointing, right? Because if I'm to be honest, he came in last season and I thought he looked really good. I mean, he scored, I think he had five or six goals, I believe maybe five goals last season in a Sam Allardyce side in which we were producing one shot on target every three matches. And, you know, he scored some pretty unlikely goals. So, you know, his finishing was was showcased. I thought his interplay, his link-up play and stuff like that was very good. And we came to this season and he just, he couldn't do it. I think part of it's kind of low confidence, but nonetheless... You're spot on, right? He's not uh, He's not going to be a regular 
in any sense of the word at Everton moving forward. You know, reports say that he wants to he wants to stay and fight for his place. And I know that he did the same at Besiktas when he was actually third string a couple of years ago, or a while maybe maybe not a couple, a few years ago. How about that? It's all in it's all in the word choice, James. Um, but nonetheless, I think you're going to see Dominic Calvert Lewin and, and another striker featuring more prominently, and Jenk Tosin is going to have to kind of decide as to how he wants to proceed. Unfortunately. Yeah, and we've got like he is. It's hard. It's hard to be harsh on Cenk Tosin because his attitude spot on. Right, he always wants to work. He always wants to fight. He has never said anything derogatory or slightly negative, really, even about the club. He's all you know. The comments he came out with, which were really bizarre, when he said he wanted to stay and fight for his place, because for so many players, when they're not playing regularly, they're putting they're either through their agent or through themselves putting word out into the media as Everton Evertonians were kind of accustomed to players doing that sort of thing, attitude questions and a player who you may have concerns about what his ability is on the pitch, but never a concern about his attitude or his, um, you know, his ability as a teammate to, to be a part of the squad and be a valuable um, asset in that respect. But I just think, Quality wise on the pitch, it's just not quite good enough. And, and it makes me kind of sad to say because I was optimistic when he first joined. And even at times this season, his finishing is probably the strongest part of his game. Unfortunately, like the ability to get into positions where he's able to finish tends to uh, lag behind a little bit. Same Another player on Yes. Well, okay. We've only we've we can only be so mean to him. Come on. Get this man's prime. Poor, poor Chank. But another player I wanted to talk about who we have no concerns about his hairline, Theo Walcott, who scored the the opening goal for us, of course. And really, he it was another situation where Theo just he gets in really good positions to score. He had some really nice chances, some and and Spurs defended some of those chances really well, and he didn't really have any way to get through on goal. But finding himself in the right areas at the right time, he had like th- two or three before he actually ended up finishing the goal. And the question remains, will he be a, an Everton player next next season? I, for one, think that he has a place in the squad, just not as a regular starter. Um, on the wrong side of 30 now, it's going to be tough um, for him to, to continue to improve, but he can still be an asset for us, and he showed that today. Yeah, and I've been saying that all season, right? Like, he's not been in good form. He was, actually, last season, just like Jink Tosin. And for some reason, this season, it's been tough for him as well, and that's okay because you know, as you said, he, he just, he gets in good places. He gets in good spots. He always links up well with, with whoever the right back is that plays. So he's an asset. He's, you know, he hasn't lost his pace yet. And, and while it'll decline, it's not like it's going to just, you'll snap your fingers. And by the time we return in August, it'll be gone. So we'll see it coming. And and maybe, maybe hopefully he can, he can produce better, better goals to minute ratio next season regardless of how often he plays. Now, I have a stat for you that I want to bring up in regards to just this season compared to last season and and then looking forward. So in the last five matches against, quote-unquote, the top six, um, we are three wins and two draws. The two draws being Everton and Liverpool, or excuse me, Liverpool and then Tottenham, right? 0-0-2-2. And then we beat Chelsea, Arsenal, and Man United. Now, here's the stat, though. Everton recorded 56 shots on target versus the PL top six this season. We had only 16 shots on target in those games last season. 16. 
Alex, you know I love stats. You know I love when you give me stats. That is one of probably the most shocking stat that you've that you right? provided to date. Right? That in that, you know, that encapsulates so well why, you know, if you the out from the outside watching in, you see Everton finished eighth again. And you say, okay, well, you know, they didn't really get that much better. And then you see something like that, and it becomes so clear how much better this team actually is. And honestly, just kind of shows how strong a league the Premier League is, where I think Everton improved dramatically this year and still were only able to to kind of tread water. And this was a massive start of a rebuilding project. And there's, you know, we've, we've talked about all these different factors that contribute. But this last run of the year has really been probably one of the better spells, probably the best spell for me as an Everton fan, where before I was kind of just like weird. Every time we played the top six, I would go in and be like, okay, well, the expectation is that we're going to lose, but there's that hope that we might win. And Marco Silva was able to kind of turn that on its head where I wasn't expecting us to lose these games. And it sounds kind of sad to say it that way, but I had this genuine belief that we could go out and go toe to toe with any of these elite so-called elite sides and pick up points. And more than anything else, I think that is just such a positive, you know, brings everyone up so much because we, we know our struggles against some of the weaker teams, the recent Newcastle and Fulham games try to forget about those, but the games in between where we're playing against supposedly some of the best teams in the world, if you take the the European, fi- or at least in Europe, the European finals is any indicator of that. And we show that we can compete. And this is just the start of the rebuild. So it's all up from here as far as I'm concerned. It absolutely is. And, and the other thing, right, like it's all relative when you're talking about table position, okay? So we actually finished with five points more than last season, which you know, doesn't necessarily feel amazing except for the fact that you look at, you know, the two and a half bender we went on without points essentially, right? Like, and we all know those benders I'm talking about. But furthermore, the league in general was, was, or let me, let me rephrase that. The league was stronger in general. And what I mean by that is the middle of the table, all the teams that we were competing against, whereas the, the relegated teams, and this is in total, the relegated teams, 18 through 20, accrued about 22 points less than the relegated teams did last year. And if you look at the table, some of that was distributed up into Man City and Liverpool, right? You know, the top two teams. Mm. But most of it was distributed in the middle of the table, being, you know, Wolves, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Wofford, Crystal Palace. So what I'm saying is, we got immensely better. The relegated teams, well, they were immensely worse. And then furthermore, unfortunately, some of the other clubs that we've been competing against and been compared to also got slightly better. Yeah, it's just a case of kind of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I mean, Huddersfield were an absolutely dire side for the entire season. I think they won like three games. Fulham came in with a lot of expectation, having spent $100 million. They were abysmal. For large parts, for the majority, the entire season, um, and then you have, of course, Cardiff, who were also relegated, who actually somehow managed to win against Manchester United today, and and that team has their own problems. But yeah, and then you at the top, on the other end, you have Liverpool coming in second. <laughs> thank God, thank the Lord in heaven 
for that, there was that moment when Glenn Murray put um, Brighton ahead and I was like, this can't really happen. And then two seconds later, Aguero scored. And I was like, you're right. It really can't happen. <laughs> but but yeah, so you have like Liverpool on what, 97 points and, and City on 98. And so I think that's right. Regardless, like two teams with almost 100 points. Liverpool, I think, scored or had have the third most or fourth most points um, in a season and didn't ever in the Premier League in first division and didn't win. So you have all these points consolidating at the top and then you have points at the bottom that are getting dropped. And then you have like, I saw a stat, another stat, Manchester United were just as far away from Manchester city as they were from the drop. And so they're kind of like, if sixth place is really like kind of no man's land in the middle, then you have just shows what a bizarre league it is with all the money that's coming in. The landscape's constantly changing and the teams with the most money are constantly getting better. Then you've got newcomers every year. It, it's the best sporting league in the world, in my opinion, but parity probably isn't uh, one of the biggest selling points, I'd say. Yeah. And, and you know, you just feel like something's got to give with the league, right? Like it's not going to be like this forever. And, I, and I'll say that pretty wholeheartedly. You've got to think that the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, the Bayern Munich's, they're going to figure out how to lure players back over, you know, over the border essentially. So I was about to say overseas, but uh, I got to remember where where these places are located, James, don't I? Look uh, at a map one time for me, Alex. No, thanks. Never took a geography, geography course. Never will. Um, Typical American. <laughs> this is the only country I need. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, I think it's I think it's something to get really excited about. Something I thought about during our match was the fact that, well, you look at Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal, they haven't gotten any better than they were the last couple years, if we're going to be completely honest. Maybe Tottenham has. But then you look at Wolves, for example, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel like, almost safely assume that they're going to hit a sophomore slump. Bold. That's a bold call. That's a bold call because I think that they, I think they have the financial backing to stick around, but I agree. I mean, it is hard. A newly promoted side finishing seventh, is kind of an anomaly and it, you don't see it very often. But I do think they have a really good foundation. Nuno Esposito, Santo? Es, yeah, Esperito, maybe? Right. Who knows? Esperito. Santo. Nuno is an unbelievable coach. Really, really quality. Is like 35, 30, whatever. He's in his 30s and he looks like he's like 60, which I think he's got that going for him too. He's got the wise old man look going. That's true. The gray beard. I think that's something to be on the lookout. And and they have, again, they have the financial backing to compete. The the amount of money spent, as we know as Evertonians, it's not about how much you spend, it's about how you spend it. <laughs> and I have the full full confidence in Marcel Brands that, and that's, you know, as we look back, I, I saw a list from, I think it was Squawka this morning, and it was the worst signings of the Premier League season this year. Number one was Fred, and there were a bunch of other ones in there. But not a single Everton player. Oh which, yeah, like it's it's great to see that because really all our signings have been very very good. Probably Yerry Mina has been the weakest of the lot, and that was just because of injury, and we never really got to see him because Kurt Zuma, another although lone signing, has been so great for us. So so far, Marcel Brands is a solid A plus for me as far as that goes, and he's got another window with. Hopefully Far- Farhad Moshiri will open up that uh, that wallet and and splash some cash. But then it's about offloading the, the dead weight, which again, we all know this is no surprise to anybody, but 
there's a lot to look forward to. It just is really nice in to wrap the season up on a draw is a bit anticlimactic. It would have been nice to go out on a emphatic victory, but it is probably kind of fitting to end with the draw. Same scoreline we brought the season in with against one of the big six. And we're off uh, into the sunset until next year. Well said, James. So moving forward, I think for the most part, we'll be recording once a week during the summer, unless you guys can talk us into recording more than once a week, just to kind of give us a little bit of extra time. I just moved to the beach, so that'll be nice. And furthermore, we could talk about transfer rumors all the time, but uh, I doubt there will be enough coming out every two days for us to record a new episode for you. Again, if you would like to be a guest on the show, please hit us up via social media or email americantoffee at gmail.com. If you already have, we've got you in the queue, I promise, and we'll get back to you on that in the coming couple of weeks. Yeah, and so coming up, we'll probably do Thanks like our, tuning our, the American our goals Talking of the Podcast. season, our, our sure end of season awards and all that stuff. So you guys have USA nominations or ideas for unique categories. Releases and send those our way for sure. And we'll see you guys next um, time. Other than that, I don't have anything else. Uh, it's been a great year. And up the toffees. 